You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 189, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. This edition of Look at My Records features an interview with Mark Anderson and Gabe Perry of Jersey City Indie Rockers Sleepers Union. The quartet just released a brand new record called Number Station, and their backstory is definitely an interesting one. Sleepers Union was originally formed by Anderson in his home country of New Zealand, but the group took on a new form when he relocated to the States a few years ago. With the permission of his Kiwi bandmates, Anderson recruited Perry to play guitar, Matt Poppy to play bass, and Todd Campisi to play drums for an American version of the lineup and the band has been gigging steadily around New York City ever since. During our interview, we chatted about how the group came together, what it was like recording Number Station at JC Studios here in Jersey City, the story behind some of the record's standout tracks like Polish Shoes, and much more. Plus, Mark and Gabe picked some awesome records, including some choice cuts from Buddy Holly, Built to Spill, and Roxy Music. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. Hey, what's up, Mark and Gabe of Sleepers Union? How are you? Great. Very well, thank you, Tom. Welcome to my apartment. Second in-person interview I've done this year. So it's nice to have the both of you here at this glass desk. <laughs> well, as you know, when I came in, the pictures were a little bit wonky. So that's been uh, my OCD's been playing on me there. I want to go and straighten out all your frames. Yeah, I'm going to do that. So next time you come, they'll be straightened out. <laughs> that, that's good to hear. Yeah, we've, I think, we were all at that Guided by Voices show right above you. White Eagle Hall, Saturday, was actually Saturday, May 17th. Yes, well, I think that was the uh, Space Gun Tour, and um, that was the first, oh, oh, the second time that I'd seen them in the U.S. I'd seen them once in New Zealand, and I decided that I didn't have to work the next day. So every time I saw Bob having a drink, I was going to have a drink too. Yeah. And uh, later that night, I threw up in the yeah, bathroom. That's yeah. great. <laughs> that's just, a fun guided by voices drinking. And I was just yeah. drinking beer, and he was drinking beer and tequila. How does he do that? I don't know. I, I know he's, he's a got a lot athlete. Of I know he's like very spelt <laughs> or whatever they say. Five and just run it off. Well, I think thing. you know he that plays was, a lot of pickup basketball. That was oh, the um, first show of the tour, so they're very fresh. Yeah, and I think the oh, liver was right, very right, fresh. Right. Funnily enough, I saw them in Atlanta two months later. I happened to be there to visit a friend and see them, and we went to a concert again, and he didn't start drinking till about like an hour into the show. So, But, you know, he got, got wonderful. Yeah. So, Sleepers Union. 
Your new album, Numbers Station, is out now. Congratulations. Thank you. Cool to have it out there in the world. It is. And we had a release show here in Jersey City for it. How'd that show go? It was great. We played with a band from Montclair. Our drummer's from Montclair. And uh, he brought along a band from Montclair called Big Stink. And they've got a really cool um, sound. Hard to describe, but they're really great to see live. They're a a three-piece, both the bass player and the guitarist sings. And they were a lot of fun. Yeah, so this record is great. I've been listening to it a whole bunch, Number Station. But Mark, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your background playing music. I feel like every time we hang out, you have a cool story about playing music in New Zealand in the 90s or the 2000s. So what, what? tell us a little bit about some of the bands you've played in over the years. You're from New Zealand. You've what? lived in Jersey City for a couple of <laughs> You've lived in Jersey City for a couple of years now, but yeah. you have a long history playing music back in New Zealand. Tell me tell us a little bit about it. Oh, okay. So, um none of the bands uh particularly were that successful commercially, but they were known somewhat in the uh kind of indie scene, but I grew up enjoying a lot of fly numb bands. Yeah. And um in the early 90s and some members of those bands I ended up um being roommates with and then friends, and then ended up playing in bands with these people who I grew up enjoying their music and going to see their shows. So um, some of the the people that I played with, or the the bands that they were in, include uh, Birdness Roy's, uh, The 3Ds, Snapper, JPS Experience, Superette, Loves Ugly Children, subliminals so i played in bands with members of those bands so they were in successful bands and then they're in a band with me and they were less successful but we still (laughs) made the good music tell me what kind of music were you playing in these uh different bands this record number station definitely has like a a cleaner punk kind of poppier rock sound to it i was listening to the New Zealand version of Sleepers Union, the record you put out about four or five years ago, mm-hmm. and that sounded like totally different when I heard it. So, yes. what do you tell me a little bit about what kind of music were you playing with these different bands leading up to Sleepers Union? Okay, uh, it was probably less poppy, a lot more heavy um, in terms of its uh, of the sounds. So, I think that. Um, on Numbers Station there's more of a sensibility that's partly my sensibility but partly playing with Gabe and Matt and Todd you know when the songs come into the practice room there's a certain way that we go off with it and I think um, playing with American musicians they have I know a better kind of pop rock sensibility the things that they draw on from a U.S. perspective is different from the New Zealand kind of um, either stoner rock or, or the Sludgier, darker sound. Sludgier, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting to me because listening to the Sleepers Union record with the New Zealand lined up that you put out like four or five years ago, kind of sounded like a Sonic Youth record to me, almost like certain parts of it. What do you, so do you, what do you attribute that change in sound to? 
coming uh, well, into this sleepers union that, record. Uh, last record that you talked about, it was a kind of 50-50% songwriting partnership yeah. with a chap called Simon McLaren, who came up with the name Sleepers Union. And we had actually done another album about five years previous to that called Giant Spheres, which was more kind of his undertaking, although that was a kind of record company pushing him rather than me because he was more of a known name. Um, but with this album, um, I came in with the songs and some of them were fully thought out songs um, and other songs have been written together collectively um, in the band, which I think is a normal situation quite often with yeah. bands. If, you, if you're not telling people how to play their instruments, you're just going in and saying, here's the, the song. Have fun. These chords are pretty much just write out a chord chart given to them and say it sounds a little bit like this and we go one two three four and yeah and whatever comes out comes out yeah i mean there's a lot uh, i i've listened to that other album too and it's like you're right there's a cleaner cleaner sound i think it's just more concise i would say just there's more precision <laughs> it's like in the songs yeah yeah, yeah 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 totally um there's more of a uh, energy that I, I i prefer and you know i i do love all the, the stoner stuff of course but yeah they're both great records <laughs> different sounding records though yeah. for sure uh -oh. so mark given that the two records do sound pretty different in under the sleepers union name what made you want to carry on the name here in the United States with the U.S. version of the band? Well, I didn't actually. That's mainly Todd, the drummer's kind of decision. It was a, um, I had given him um, demos of the songs when Gabe and I were the were first initially. Yeah. And he was the third member to join. I got and him your I, phone number, yeah. his phone number. <laughs> and I just, um, yeah, I just labeled a folder Sleepers Union. Yeah. Because, um, you know, that's all I could think to call it. And then he decided he wanted us to be called that. We tried to come up with other names. And then a kind of show loomed over the top of us and no one could agree. And he kept on saying, it's such a cool name. It's such a cool name. It is a good name. So yeah. I, uh, I told Simon in New Zealand, I said, do you mind if we use the name and... Um, he said, "Yep, it's as I much think we yours had, as mine." A couple mine. of weeks where you know everyone does it. You do that. You write it, write down your suggestions, and thirty or forty—they're utter trash. I don't. I think that was one of them. Utter trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that not a good band name. <laughs> kind of people are gonna make presumptions. Yeah, I know, you right? know? Um, no, no, no. But then we just like went went back, and I was like, "That is the best name for this." Yeah, and the the thing is, you know, um, I'm not a people in New Zealand could hear it or that but I, I thought like because um, the album's called Number Station in New Zealand the band could be called Number Station the album could be called Sleepers Union you know yeah so I don't yeah. know if you've ever heard of the band Ice House there's a great Australian band called Ice House actually their first album is, is really brilliant they went a bit commercial after that they were called Flowers and their first album was called Ice House but a band in America called Flowers, yeah, they had to change their name. So they just flipped so it. So they just flipped it. Brilliant. And Flowers is a great name. And as this, as whenever bands have to do this, like UK Squeeze, the English yeah. Beat, <laughs> the American version of that band 
Goes nowhere. Goes nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And Paul Collins just calls himself Paul Collins Beat now, too. Right. You know? Come on. Yeah. English Beat, UK Squeeze. Well, you know, there was, an, uh, there was an English Nirvana as well in the late 1960s wow. by a, a Greek-English guy. Mm-hmm. And they had one really good song, which I can't remember. But I think because they were defunct and never really... Yeah. Made any dent in America, Nirvana just went for it. Good but for you them. know, no one, no one ever has to say Nirvana. Oh, I'm talking about the American one. You know, <laughs> no one makes a mistake of confusing them with the other one. But look, look up that Nirvana UK. I'm song. gonna. Yeah. Sounds like it's like a '60s psych band. It actually of. is psych, but it's kind of orchestral baroque psych. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think Spiritualized stole their melody for one of their songs. Beautiful. Love yeah. stealing. <laughs> Love stealing. Especially when it's uh, for stuff that no one knows about, like the UK Nirvana. Yeah. <laughs> How'd the band come together? I know I got you the phone number for Todd the drummer, but did you oh, guys just start okay. dr- jamming after well, you met? You or? Know, um, uh, I was in the US for about a year, not intending to do anything. And then I started buying instruments because, you know, you just have yeah. to. And then I was feeling like that's something that I really need in my life, particularly going out and seeing bands and seeing the cool scene around Jersey City. So um, I was jamming with a guy called Sabil Azam for a while, but that was a bit of a sad ending to that story. Um, and so... After that, it was a while to get back on my feet, and Gabe was the next one to join the band. So I had met him kind of through his girlfriend, but knew him around the scene. His girlfriend and my wife were friends. And I think he only really came to a practice to appease his girlfriend. 100% correct. Thanks, Leanne. Thank you, Leanne. Leanna. Leanna. <laughs> That's fine. My parents do the same thing. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, no, I, I, uh, I think I came to your place and uh, you played music for a couple hours, a couple records, and I was like, I like this. You want to do something like this? And they're like, okay, let's do this. Which was pretty much garage, garagey stuff, the Kinks, and uh, yeah, you're some of your favorite tracks. <laughs> yeah, and I think our first practice, you thought because you'd see me play bass that I was going to turn up with a bass, but That's I was going, right. no, this band. <laughs> I'm playing guitar and singing. Oh, I get the same thing because I play, you know, I yeah. play other instruments too. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to so play So that guitar. first practice was, yeah, let's learn this song, learn this song. And we kind of gelled together pretty quickly. Uh, Todd was the next person to join on drums. Um, and then it was uh, Matt, Matt Poppy. I think oh, it was within player. like a month. Yeah, it was in really quick. We, we did, <laughs> did go through two... Two bass players, I think. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah I never, I never remember when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> and I got Todd's phone number from Sarah from Resounding No. Thanks, Sarah. I was Thanks. Like, Do you know this guy? Because at the time I didn't know him. I just knew <laughs> people from Montclair area. And then I asked, and she said, "I'll get it for you." And then she got it for me, and then I gave it to you. Oh, there you go. You're part of it. I think that the cool thing about um, the four of us were um, similar in age and being in a, uh, you know, being in a band when you're not in your 20s, um, you know, the ego 
is not there. Yeah. It's really about having a lot of fun. We never kind of fight about things. No one really, everyone's smart enough not to step on each other's toes musically. Um, and we have a lot of fun in the practice room. You know, it's one of those those things. It's not so much a, we're a band as we're a drinking club every week. It's beautiful. <laughs> With music. Yeah. And we all get along and there's this ridiculous banter and these little wee catchphrases and things. Beautiful. You know? That's awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Lots of things about eating hot dogs. You know, yeah. Hot dogs stuff. are good. It's good meat. I think I got food poisoning the other week from hot oh, dogs. Oh, shit. That's not good. No, that's not. It's fine. So, the, Mark, the songs on the record, how much of it was material that you had taken with you or that you've had kind of on the back burner oh, from your time yeah. in New Zealand? And how much of it did you write while you've been living here in the United States? It's about 50 50. 50 50. Yeah. 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 And, um, we're, you know, uh, a lot of that was the initial stuff that we'd learnt. There's, there's some new stuff that we're going to record before the end of the year and do a little EP. And all of that is... That, I, think so some, e some, I think it's yeah. EP is like 80-20, uh, right? Well, like EP is more, you know, almost 100%. I oh, think. okay. But that stuff that wasn't ready to go on the album, it wasn't, you know, rehearsed enough. Um yeah, and other things that we've been continuing to write. And uh, Matt's, Matt, uh, bass player, has been writing a couple of songs, which are really good too, and we'll be including those as well. How Although you, we all write them together. Yeah, so how would you compare your experiences here uh, being inspired to write songs as compared to New Zealand? Do you find different sources of in, in, inspiration here in the States? Or? Yeah, well, you know, that's, uh, I guess... One of the, when you're making references like you know, getting off the subway and things like yeah, that, that sounds pretty cool in a song. Yeah, and like if you do that when you're in New Zealand or when you're in England or something, like, it just doesn't have the about? same thing. I mean, you don't really hear English bands going, "Oh, I was going on the A83 off to the M6." It doesn't sound yeah. as cool as us going down Route 73. You know? Yeah driving down the interstate in a mustang or something you know that <laughs> america gave birth to rock and roll so that's that situationism of it being able to use some of the vocabulary and living in new york or close to new york being able to imagine characters doing those things but the rest are just i'm thinking of one song in particular 20 to one that's yeah, yeah focused yeah. on that but there's another song where I reference some things in Jersey City and that, which is a brand new one, which hasn't appeared yet. But yeah, it definitely, um, you know, New Zealand and I think it forms of music is isolated and there's a certain darkness to the landscape. And I feel the light is different here in America and it's a little bit more optimistic and the music can be sunnier as a result. Yeah, no, it's funny. When I interviewed the Bats last year, I was like, your latest record is a little darker and way more reflective than like your earlier stuff. And they were like, yeah, New Zealand, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wow, mean, it's really like that. that huh? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good thing. And I think the, I think the landscape really influences uh, 
could really influence music scene. I think that's why some bands sound like they do because of where they come from. This must be the culture as well. But, you know, you, you can hear that in German music or even the, the French kind of dance music or that, you know, Swedish music, but maybe it's all bollocks. I don't know. Bollocks. Yeah, it could be bollocks. Bollocks. It could be. <laughs> maybe it is. Where'd you record this record? Because it sounds great. Super clean sounding record. record. Uh, who'd what you did... work with too? It's, you know, it's real crisp oh. sounding out. Oh, thank you. Um, I had nothing to do with that. Um, this was actually, uh, I would say the engineer was uh, your friend Dave, who's also from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. And uh, he definitely guided us. He, he definitely has a good rapport with Mark in figuring out uh, what sound he was going for. Because um, you guys, how, how do you guys know each other, actually? <laughs> well, we, we kind of became more friends here than at home. But you knew each other back uh, then. But yeah, we had, it was more the fact that we had mutual friends. Right. And I knew the bands that he played in. Um, and he kind of, you know, I asked for some advice. Because right. he was friends with the guy who owned the studio where um, the Strokes recorded This Is It. And we were hoping to record it there, but unfortunately that guy ended up selling that studio when kind of COVID came around. Right, so COVID that came been around. Cool. That would have been cool. <laughs> so we went to JC Studios in downtown Jersey City. Yeah, and, uh, just a short walk from where we are right <laughs> That's now. That's right. Very and, close uh, by. Uh, how long did it take us to do that? Two weekends? Two uh, weekends? It, it took one weekend to do all the tracking yeah. apart from it was quick. vocals. <laughs> we did all the tracking of all the tracks and the overdubs. And I really wanted to do it live for two reasons, to get that kind of band feel. Yeah. And I love definitely that, an energy. Yeah, I love that classic thing of all the 60s and, and 70s bands, how they'll all record. Either they'll be in the same room or the same building. You know, being able to look at one another rather than that laying, layering across. You have to know the songs really well to, to be able do to that, do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and I think that helps you with musicianship. But um, I think also it's a more organic human feeling. But probably the most vital thing of that is it's cheaper because you can do it really quickly. Quickly. Once you have all the, the instruments set up, you know, and you've got the sound for everything. And if you're working with professionals like Dave and Sam, who was um, doing engineering as well on that album, then you know the process can move forward really quickly. You can get a song out. And I think we're very much, it was like, yeah, that, you know, do you want to come back and listen to it? No, that sounded good. Next song. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't, I didn't want it to drag out. Plus, yeah. I wanted to do it all within two days so that we've hit our budget. Right, we were trying to find a nice little lull in the COVID waves as well, so. Mm. <laughs> Which we found. Gotta hit those COVID lulls. I mean, yeah. <laughs> High tide, low tide. Yeah. We're still yeah. partially masking when we're in the studio. That's know? true. Yeah. And we actually did the vocals pretty much later on. Yeah. We did. I did vocals at, at Dave's place in his wardrobe. Yeah, he's got a, a large wardrobe. I just sat in his wardrobe, but that was—I think—that's a good way to do it too, because it was just me and him, so I could just feel comfortable without having 
a studio clock ticking with time and was someone I didn't know and he kind of helped me with some of the vocal parts in terms of going like hey why don't you stress this bit or um, you know I relied on him to say yeah we've got that one good we can move on that sort of thing and uh, Gabe came over and, and did some BVs as well and I think we knocked yours out in like a couple of hours one evening yeah yeah it's Everyone BVs are background vocals. <laughs> For everyone not familiar with that acronym. There what else would they be? Uh, butt vortex. Sure. Well, or, we, did that. we did that afterwards. That's fine. Yep. Bison venison. Bison venison? Yeah. Wow. Two different kinds of meats there. <laughs> I can keep going. You can't keep going. And <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just flying around. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> Let's dive into the record specifically. Oh. I like how it opens with the title track, Number Station, which is like this cryptic kind of looping thing, like indecipherable kind of voice. What was that? And why'd you decide to start the record with well, that? that? That's actually a number station. Tell me, what's a number station? Yeah, tell me for, too. For, for, for us that don't know what it is, I'm just like, this is a cool name. This well, is a cool title, and I don't really... Number stations yeah. still exist. Um, they're used by the Cubans in America, and basically they're a Cold War way of um, spy agencies um, giving instructions to their spies out in the field. And what they would do is they'll go up on shortwave radio and send the signal out. So it was it was a way that there would be no way of people, you know, because you could send it, Russians could send it via shortwave from the Soviet Union and it would be picked up by their agents in, say, Germany or England and so forth. So they knew where the signals were coming from, but they couldn't stop those signals from happening. And all the signals signals would do was repeat numbers but those the spies would have a little code book yeah so and those numbers meant something to them right so without having the ability to be able to translate that you have no idea what the message is so that particular one was sent out from east germany to east german spies um in, in west, west germany. germany and it's from about 1970 six or something like that so you know that's why what is planes, we're, we're gonna have to decipher the code I, yeah what's a, I, we need a decoder so ring? it's just numbers okay like, that's as far as i can count in german and the only reason i can count that far in german is because on the craftwork album computer world there's a song called numbers where they go one two and they also do it in Japanese, and yeah. Anyway, that's cool. That, that, that's the convoluted. I took thing German to for two years. So was that kind of the inspiration for for that? I thought Number Station was a really kind of cool name, and I've been listening to them for a while and kind of freaking out on hearing them. So they are freaky sounding. Start. Yeah. Yeah. Where were you listening to them? Where'd you find them? Oh, Internet? I um, yeah. Internetarchive.org? Archi no, he's actually still getting messages <laughs> from New Zealand. <laughs> you can do a, a deep dive on them and find all about them on YouTube or, or various things, and you can listen to some of the field recordings. 
So the the Cubans used it for their spies in the U.S. Yeah, sending them sending out the short way from Cuba, and I believe they're still doing it. Wow, shit, mm. damn! But that of course was... they have much more modern things now. But that's yeah. a primitive thing that still works. Yeah, it does. And it's even kind of like Morse code, right? Yeah, American... similar to Morse code, yeah. but it's a number station. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. That's cool. I'm gonna dive into that on youtube do it and then listen to the record too <laughs> there you go one and two <laughs> but um some of my favorite tracks on the record really like machines very flying nun sounding to me tell me a little bit about that track okay um it it is based very loosely on a on a adam curtis documentary machines of love and grace um which is about people using machines to predict human activity and it's developed from that into something which is um i guess a kind of a type of romantic love song but uh it's got a descending bass riff which is a very kind of beatles like um, mid to late 60s kind of sound and I quite like that sound yeah. but, it, but the verse mixes it up with minor chords so I was trying to kind of mix something that was Beatles then it would go into a Dylan bit but you know but played in a modern way yeah that's one of the tracks that we went in there at certain tempo that's right and, and Dave uh, the engineer uh, he was like let's try that faster it's not that it's dragging, but he'd think that it would just be a, a better uh, fit if it was a faster tempo. We tried it, and it's way better. And now we've actually only played it that way. <laughs> it's yeah. 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 So uh, that was one of the... Uh, the original was, you know, a little more spooky, I guess, mm. you know, sounding, because it was slower. Now it's just more of an upbeat yeah, Spooky. I see here more of a, a, a jangly kind of birdsian kind yeah, of type yeah, of yeah. thing. Which I yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What I liked about this record was that it's has this overarching sound, I would say, which is this cleaner kind of power poppy punk kind of sound. But there is a lot of diversity within each song, I would say. Like we we're just talking about machines right now. But now I'm thinking about uh, Let's Get Married, which I felt was like very Ramones-esque, kind mm. of a little punkier, little bit. Aside from the kind of big riff at the end, because I feel like <laughs> you wouldn't hear that in a Ramones song. But no. tell me a little bit about that track, because that's kind of what oh, I heard yeah, hearing that, that song. That was a, one of those songs that you, you're kind of playing around with chords, and it's actually an unusual combination of chords because it hardly ever goes to the fifth that kind of plays around with the first the fourth and the second um but they're all majors there's no minors is that right sounds about right yeah okay good so you can check my math later yeah and um a melody lended itself to that and i wrote it very quickly and um yeah and the lyrics are fun and a little bit silly you yeah. know it's go you know let's let's watch Dirty Harry and have a cup of tea and be in bed and that, that kind of nice domesticity that you can have without 
having to have any money, like let's spend the rest of our life together. Doesn't really matter if we don't have anything because we're going to have each other. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That's sweet. Yeah, yeah, since you're getting married soon, Tom. You yeah. Can, you know, and <laughs> you're going to be living a life of poverty. You know. Yeah. So long as you got Pooja. Exactly. You're all set. As long as I've got Pooja. I think I, I totally agree. I think agree. Uh, that's one of those songs I threw a solo on there. I love that. Song. Yeah, it's right. great. But I had no, great. I, no idea what I was doing until we got there. It's a quick, I, nice yeah. little one. At I the think end I had done it maybe a week before, and I was like. You know, I think it around. sounds like a really cool kind of cure kind yeah, of type yeah, of thing. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. very melodic and yeah. I really like it because I do love guitar lines or guitar leads that follow the melody right. and you're only partly doing that. You're right. doing its own thing that works on a theme. Which is great considering you've only got like about 12 seconds in yeah, that's all yeah. you need. a song that's less than two minutes long. That's all you need. Yeah. To eight second solos. Yeah. Mark, I thought Polish Shoes was definitely a big highlight on this record for me. And it was cool to see that it was on the Sleepers Union record that you released, you know, four or five years ago with the New Zealand version of the band. But again, that version is kind of like a lo-fi version of the track that you'd hear on an early Guided by Voices record. This song, this version of the song on Number Station, you know, the, the twin guitars sound great. The song really pops. It sounds awesome. This version's also twice as long, I noticed, too. Mm, probably three times as long. <laughs> three times as long. <laughs> it's, but, it's totally different. The original... Yeah, Why would you want yeah. to, like, revisit that track and kind of redo it? or And what would you decide you wanted to do differently? Well, the, the first time around doing that song, it was purposely lo-fi. Yeah. I mean, we I actually recorded it just with guitar and vocals. Simon did a, another guitar on top of it. And we said to the person who mixed it, make it sound like a dirty, gotta buy voices yeah. kind of track so it sounds all clicky. So he purposely made yeah. it as clicky. And it's just it was just one take and my voice cracks, but it goes, it doesn't matter. And I remember Simon and I saying, like, that's my favorite song of yours. That's my favorite song of the album. It's almost like the contrarian thing. You take that thing that you feel is the most throwaway but you know, it was kind of honest. So I always like the melody because it's a yeah. real simple song. It's pretty much two chords. Um, simple, but uh, mm. I like the 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 way that we made it a little more huge. Yes. Totally, yeah. It's, it's a it's a bigger <laughs> sounding song now. Like yeah. I said, the two guitars yeah. really interact with each other on this version. Yeah. Was this a song like from back then you were like, I could do more with this song and I want to oh, do more with it at some point? Yeah, totally. And um, I mean, in some reasons, when I, I go to grab those songs from back there, it's because I know that they're good. The American audiences wouldn't have heard it, but I know they could be better with this band. And I think that was a song where I was just playing it like I normally did, doubled up the lengths between the verses and then did a thing, which you might notice is a feature of our, some of our songs, where we just got a long outro. So I'm not really into writing classic pop structures, yeah. pretty much. It's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, really long outro, you know. <laughs> but that's a good opportunity to kind of work things through. And that's kind of, this one doesn't even really have a chorus. It's just verse, verse, 
Oh, it does, I guess, but it's more of an instrumental chorus when you go to the G and D. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, I, I love long outros. I actually like when there's actually two parts of a song, like in Isley Brothers, where it's, you know, you get the, the actual song over with, and then the second part is just an eight-minute vamp. Before you could just call it a very long outro, but I don't like the fade, the the fade outs uh, that take you know two minutes. I'm not into. You know, just like a really. Slow, it's it, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't it's, seem to happen in modern music so much. No, it no, to no. Be really, really almost formula, didn't it? Through the through the seventies to nineties. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, but with that song, I. I, the thing I enjoyed the most is the, uh, the I like the dynamic feel of the. Uh, yeah, I, I love doing that one live too. <laughs> it's a great song. It's a good song, and it's cool to see how it's it evolved yeah. from the original version. Yeah, and to this I, I, version. I, I, I tell you, the name came um, because my wife Kate um, is of Polish extraction. Her mother's American. That's part of the reason why we're over here, and. I had written a list of things that I had to do, and one of them was to polish shoes. <laughs> and then I re read it, and I thought, "What's polish shoes?" Realizing <laughs> that I was actually instructing myself to polish my shoes. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how the name came about. Nice. That's so it's very, a kind of it's funny. a nod to to her uh, uh, heritage. Beautiful. Very nice. You were telling me that Into You is a cover. Mm -hmm. Why'd you decide to cover that song on this record? And how'd you approach covering it? Well, it, it was when Todd, the drummer, found out that I was from New Zealand. Um, <laughs> he told me that his favorite New Zealand band was JPS Experience. And I told him, well, you know, I played in two different bands with two of those guys and they're they're all they're all friends of mine and she goes oh we're gonna play one of these songs then <laughs> so that was a song that i always liked so we did it as a song just to have in the set and i'm um, it's kind of struck a nice balance because it was different from some of our songs i guess when we came to record the album some of the other stuff that we're writing wasn't quite ready um, but we knew that song inside out, um, so it was easy to do. But I kind of learnt the song without going back and listening to it again. And I also asked Dave Yeaton, who wrote it, um, if I could cover the song. He said, go, you know, go and I your had life. no idea it was a cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we don't tell people when we play it live that's a cover. We, people go, oh, I love that song, too. So oh, I still yeah, haven't heard. You, I, you know? I think I've heard the original once. Yeah. When we were looking for a reference, maybe. I yeah. Think I heard only like about ten seconds of it, and, and I, I was like, no, 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 we're not doing it like that. No. Um, and I think that's a good thing to yeah. take it to them, so they think they don't know the song. Yeah, because they, they play it their own way. Exactly. You you put your own spin on I'm it. Playing, listening I mean, to the listening to the original. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess I guess Todd. You, Knew yeah. it as a drummer, and I'm definitely playing this the same kind of fuzzed out guitar that probably yeah. Dave Mulcahy's playing in that song, the guitarist from JPS Experience. But when I actually went back and listened to the original, um, I realized that I had 
added a two chorus, two extra choruses on. Um, so it's slightly longer and it, it, it's starting to annoy me because it does seem to drag on a little bit on the record, but um, it's good. I think it's, it's a beautiful song. It's like a really it. nice really song to song. sing because Dave Eaton is a, a great singer. So um, he writes melodies that I find really comfortable to sing. Tell me about the single. Now, you, now. Okay. Um, well, that is one that I'd, I'd had around for a number of years, but never really played in any band because uh, I'd never kind of get it quite right. Because uh, they'd always make it either too punky or, uh, or they'd never just quite get it right and it's supposed to be a power pop thing right. yeah yeah it's definitely it's got that vibe for yeah. sure um and yeah it had that little riff that that gabe plays and i always used to try and play that and sing that at the same time because you know there often wasn't another guitarist to play with. It was just that, yeah. and it never quite worked. So never the quite, two guitars... It still never quite works. It's very hard to play and sing that yeah. at the same time. And, I don't, but... And I think that little motif, that little riff that you do throughout it, yeah. and I think it's great, Gabe, that you have the restraint to not be one of those guitarists who would... Oh, it's who would be afraid a... of playing something so simple so often <laughs> within a song? Oh no, there, there's definitely that temptation to go, you know, uh, crazy on it and balls out. But uh, it sounds better if you don't. So why would you want to? It's yeah. just that's got a good feel. I love that song. It's uh, it's fun to play and it's the perfect length. <laughs> Someone was, um, you know, with Charlie Watts dying recently. This yeah. is a tangent, but it all relates. They were talking about jazz guys and um, about musicians and they're saying, you know, the really great musician, I'm certainly not putting us in that category, is they play for the song. They play whatever shows the song in the best light, does the best thing for the song. They don't play to show, look how fast I can play or yeah, look how many notes play, I can play. do. Yeah. You know, you play for the song. You play, you know, Charlie Watts was very simple, but that's often what those rock and those, yeah. those Rolling Stone songs needed. They didn't yeah. need someone well, to Mark, play like Keith Moon. Mark, Mark and I both. Keith Moon sounds great for the Who, but Mark and I uh, both started. I don't, you started on bass, right? Uh huh. As did I. So, like, oh, bass, wow. bass players learn very early that, or they should, that uh, you definitely play for the song because you're not. No, first of all, no one's going to hear. You do your fancy triplets or anything unless yeah. you're the lead instrument um and two um you just want to create the most concise you know package to give to people uh, as a mm. bass player that's what i think so you could you can take that to any instrument uh guitar is a little harder because you have way more options with tone um you, you know you can and fretboard you could fly all over the place um i feel the same way about vocals uh 
uh, pretty much any instrument. Uh, yeah. Just it's, if it's if, you can kind of hear it sometimes in a lot of songs where you're just like, it's uh, that's, that's too much. That's <laughs> the, like, whoa. <laughs> that's the thing that gets me with R and B sometimes. I remember, I forgot who called it. They called all the likes of Mariah Carey and them note botherers. Yeah, because they couldn't yeah. just sing the note like the classical song. Yeah. yeah, no, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> I can't stand that, especially <laughs> within the context. I feel like Mariah Carey, and that's something separate. But when you have someone doing that in a band, especially oh. a vocalist, I'm like, come on, what are you doing? Get out of here! If I was the manager of the band, I'm like, yeah. Well, the, the the thing that's always complicated is usually people with great voices good voice but we don't want to hear that oh shit right yeah. you're fine you want to hear it you only want to hear it for how like one second off of yeah 45 minutes of music just hear him like do that little tasty well stuff. you know I, I went to see queen who's a band that you know and this was in the 80s and they're an amazing band i'm so glad i got to see them live it was yeah I pretty didn't know young that. at That's the time awesome. He would always do this thing then, if you've ever seen any footage of a Queen concert, he'd do this thing to kind of like warm up his voice while the band was changing things that they go, oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> but he would just do that as a little call and response thing between yeah. songs. But then when he was doing yeah. the song, I mean, he'd do those long dragging notes, but he would just sing yeah. in a wonderful voice just what the song needed. Yeah, he was great. He was man. Yeah, I he think we're in agreement on that, at least. We're <laughs> consensus. You know, and Queen is one of those things as you get get older, you know, you those things when, you know, you felt as you when you were younger, oh, I can't like Queen, they're not punk enough. Yeah. And then yeah. you go, oh, they're too cheesy. Yeah, and then or, you're like, whoa. Or like, or like Abba or something like that. And you go, oh, fucking Abba's amazing. <laughs> Queen yeah. is brilliant. It's true. That's what happens when you get older. <laughs> I'm there. I'm totally there. All right. We're going to play some tracks from number station brand new album from sleepers union you can get the album sleepersunion.bandcamp.com or stream it on your platform of choice we're gonna play the title track number station so you could all be a little freaked out by that track it's freaky sounding then we're gonna play now you know machines and polish shoes and then we'll be back mark and Gabe picked some records. Yo.
Hey, we're back. We just heard four tracks from my guest Sleepers Union's brand new record number station. We heard the title track number station, the freaky ass title track. Then we heard Now You Know, Machines and Polish Shoes. Everyone, you can get this record, sleepersunion.bandcamp.com or on your streaming platform of choice. Gabe Mark. Thanks for putting the record out and sharing the tracks with everyone. All right. So, you both picked some records. Uh Uh-huh. We're going to talk about them. Who wants to go first? Or do you want to alternate? We'll alternate. All right, cool. We could do that. So, but who's going first? I'll go first. Someone still has to go first. Gabe's going first. Sure. Sure. What you got there, Buddy Holly Lives? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, not. Fr- it, it's like a twenty golden. <laughs> well, that's greats. obviously wrong, isn't it? <laughs> twenty golden greats collection. Uh, Mark uh, with the dark humor there, <laughs> with the joke. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, there's you know th- these uh, vinyls. There, there's probably about six hundred of them. These best of Bad yeah. Buddy Holly. But I like uh, the song, uh, this track, uh, Think It Over. I've always, uh, I, I used to have a uh, Buddy Holly CD collection. I think it was like eight CDs. Um, and uh, this one always stood out for me. I don't know why. Um, uh, he, he had a very short, short career. Yeah, and, sadly. Uh, well, I don't know. I think that's pretty awesome actually sometimes (laughs) it's it's always something that's weird to think about because you know well it used to be way more common in the middle of the century yeah a lot of people dying young yeah for sure no in general yeah not even just musicians but in any you know making it to 40 you're just like wow you made it and uh so anyway with buddy holly uh uh, this track, uh, Think It Over, it's, you know, just a classic. It's actually one of his longer ones because it's two minutes and 50 seconds. Wow. Instead of his two epic. minutes flat. His <laughs> epic. <laughs> Which I appreciate. And both of my selections are, I think, yeah, 206. They're both 206? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's fucked up. Yeah, that's amazing. That's fucked actually, up, no. Game. No, Maybe Baby was uh, 206. Think It Over is an epic at 2.50. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's acceptable. Yeah. All right, good thing you didn't pick two songs that were 2.06. Think it over, just think it over. Well, only heart grows cold and old. Yeah, Mark, you're okay. up next now. So I've got a song by Roxy Music. It's off the Manifesto album. My favorite, they're probably my favorite band. My favorite period of them is the, the period before this, the, the first five records that they did. And um, they kind of went away. Brian Ferry did a solo career, and as the solo career started even away, he thought, oh, I'll get the band back together again. And it was only about three four years after they had split up the first time and this is from that record and in between those those two eras punk had come along so it had changed it up a lot but the interesting thing was that 
um, many of the punk kids were influenced by rockacy music, particularly yeah. the drummer. But because of their image, they they wouldn't let on that they actually had these quite glam um, these bands that they were fond of, like Bowie and so forth. But they were all Bowie and Roxy kids because those were the freaks when they were little kids listening to that sort of music. Um, and then ended up being punk rocks and they used to call him Byron Ferrari as a bit of a joke but he's got a song off here called, <laughs> called, um, tr- called Trash and um, it is it's like in 79 so it sounds like the stuff that would come later with a British New Wave and New Romantic kind of music i think he pinched the bass player from Adam and the ants to play with him on this wow. record i didn't know that um and yeah it's it's a trashy song but it, i do like those songs and i guess this kind of um one of the things when we're talking about new zealand is growing up there the charts would be equally divided between english and u.s music in those days more english music because they're making more interesting music um, but you'd also have those American fans in there. So, yeah, that's my selection. Are you customized already made? Heavy metal, drink or drink. Uh-huh. Only 17. On the level, trash is neat. <laughs> well, uh... I don't have that much uh, history with my second selection. Captain Beefheart. Sure. Uh, Captain Beefheart and his magic band. Uh, I am a huge fan Van of this. Van That's right. Who died about... Ten years ago. Ten 2009, years ago. 2010, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he was, you know, he was very ill for a long time. Um, I could not even listen to this music or his music until I was around 34, 35. Um, and it's still very hard for me to listen to it. You mean but last I love year? It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I, it started to grow on me, and I, I went crazy with it uh, about two years ago. Uh, every, you know, I, I have a long commute to work. It's about 45 minutes, maybe an hour driving each way. And uh, I was just listening to his whole catalog constantly uh, with studio albums, live albums, and uh, it became uh, hypnotic to me. Um, It's very hard to explain. Uh, What he was doing back then was uh, nobody else was doing, which I appreciate that. Um, I think we were talking about before about clean music this is not yep. clean music. unclean <laughs> this is, this is dirty very shit. dirty stuff. this is dirty yeah this is shit. very dirty shit dirty meter uh dirty tempo dirty uh lyrics not dirty dirty term- hippies dirty exactly <laughs> actually no I, I don't think he appreciated those guys um i think he just had a dirty uh outlook in terms of his uh music writing but he he, uh the way he would compose is very interesting so he would uh write everything on the keyboard and record it for all the different parts on piano but he had no keyboard knowledge and so he would just have lots of uh polyrhythms out of nowhere 
because um, he had no knowledge of it. Um, so I, I'm going to pick... Uh, wow, they're all great. Um, the easiest listening one on this album, which is Lick My Decals Off Baby, is Hell Woe yeah. is a Mebop. Um, and the second one is probably the title track. Um, that would be my second pick. But we're going to go with Woe is a Mebop. All right, Mark, your second pick. Okay, so my first pick was British, So, um, and I was talking about the influence of British and American, so I've gone American with the second one. It's um, uh, from Built Spill's album, Keep It Like a Secret. Um, we thrashed this album along with other Built to Spill albums, myself and my flatmates um, in the 90s, and it could have been any of those other bands like um, Sebado or yeah. um, Pavement or mm-hmm. um, Dinosaur Junior. Yeah. They were all kind of um, big influences. Um, going right back to the Pixies, I think they started all off, even though Nirvana might have opened the doors to other bands commercially. I know everyone was trying to play like the Pixies, even... Even Nirvana's. Um, yeah. It smells like teen spirit. Exactly. And, and New Zealand um, song. indie bands as well. So we're going to go with one of these. Um, and I, you know, when I was saying before about British music, definitely kind of like early 80s in terms of chart music are really interesting. But then I started listening to American, what we used to call underground or alternative stuff. Um, you know, the things that were played on the college radio but didn't necessarily get into the charts. But then, you know, that kind of the stuff that broke through after the Pixies. Uh, it was a good time to go to festivals and go to shows and see these real cool bands playing in big stadiums and like, hey, you've made it. Yeah, what was your entryway to bands from the UK and America living in New Zealand? College radio? As you mentioned, uh, yeah, well, or... you know, as us, uh, I had older brothers and sisters. So yeah, they that's had, always uh, very helpful. One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they had some good record collections, but theirs was a bit more um, kind of mainstream, but they had all the Bowie and all this, yeah. that sort of thing. My brother had Ian Dury and the, the Blackheads. Yeah, and the Police Early albums, and he had um, Susie and the Banshees and that. But I started to get into that stuff. And, and you know, that, at that time, and I'm really aging myself here. There was actually really good stuff in New Zealand in the charts. Yeah, totally. And I'm going to say particularly in New Zealand because I think it was the only place to give Joy Division a number one song. Wow. Um, and so there'd be these really strange hits in the charts. I remember I watched the Top 20 Countdown and Dead Kennedy's Too Drunk to Fuck was in the, <laughs> in the top 10. And they would have all the rest of the band's music playing and it was just Too Drunk to, and then they'll cut. The thing and it was just too drunk to star 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 and was that star, that was star, on star, tv that was Could like in the, in, star, star, it, it was in the top 20 countdown so they'll just give you like a couple of seconds yeah. saying what was 20 to number one nice and then they'll, they'll they'll give you some videos of various bands but never got to see 
the Dead Kennedys video, even if they did make it. So that's a shame. That's a shame. That was the British stuff, but the American um, things that was the equivalent of what we call student radio, which was college radio. So yeah, it was definitely um, through that, and just through means friends that you meet at high school, and um, we would just um, go. I, you know, you couldn't all afford to buy the same records, so you'd say, "These are the ones being released. You buy that album. You buy then that you make album. me a tape. and then you make tapes for each other. And then if you really liked it, you go, "Oh, I think I need to go out and buy Get that it. album." Yeah. So one week you'd have like, you know, Cure, Simple Minds, The Smiths, you know, REM, and things like that. Yeah. I had a friend who worked at a record store, so it was much easier. Oh, that's good. <laughs> And I worked at, we had a radio program at my high school, so I could listen to whatever I wanted. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Central Jersey, man. Yeah, okay. Take it all back. <laughs> I can't be All right, everyone, sadly, coming to the end of this episode, Mark and Gabe, great avenue here in my apartment. Only the second interview I've done in my apartment in it's quite some woo-hoo. time. So very That's happy great. to Might have you here. here. And I'm glad you drank some beers. Mark, you had a Sprite. Shh. Well, you just narrowed oh, it Oh, and he, he gave us pizza, too. So pizza. it's much better to come for the in-person right. Yeah, you interview. get food and beer. You get yeah, pizza. If you do now it... you got stipulations in your If you contracts. do it remotely, there's no food. Uh. There's zero free food or drink. That's no true. free food or, and or beverages. Yeah. But you mentioned you're going to go record an EP, maybe. Sure, What's next for the definitely. band? Well, um, we're taking a, a little summer break after doing the show and releasing the album. Uh, it, but a break for us is just a couple of weeks. Um, and then we're going to f- uh, keep working on polishing up this new set of songs. We've probably got about, f- it might be about six songs, but it might get whittled down to four. Yeah. We're going to try and beat our record and record these in one day. Wow. Instead of two days. Good, best of luck to you, <laughs> yeah. Sleepers Union. Um, we're going to use Dave again and, and, and Cocoon Studios, so we're going to try a different studio. But, um, yeah, I, I think that would be a good thing to keep momentum going, and we're hoping to do some more shows locally, but also get out on the road occasionally, COVID willing, and, and go around the northeast a little bit. Amazing. Can't yeah. wait to see Sleepers Union on the road. Everyone, you can get the new record number station at sleepersunion.bandcamp.com or of course you could stream it on your platform of choice we're going to play one more song to end this episode concord kia ora tom thank you thank you
it's all about style One with Sara magazines Facebook and Instagram likes Social media fantasies